I found this creative outlet that I love. I want to have a business. Can I make quilting my business? Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello and welcome everyone. This is episode 25 of the Make and Decorate podcast. Woohoo! This is like a little mile marker for me. I am so, so excited about this. So um, yeah, 25 episodes. I started this podcast last July and um, so I'm so excited to have accomplished uh, this much so far, and I am so thankful for everyone who listens to the show and sends me some beautiful feedback and encouraging words. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And as part of recognizing this milestone marker of mine of episode 25, I want to share uh, some of the top countries and cities that listen to the podcast. I mean, when I look at the stats on um, the episodes, I am really astounded. I've had 24 countries listen to my little podcast. I love it. Love it so, so much. So um, United States, uh, of course, and Canada, the UK, Australia, Belgium, France, Spain, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand. There's an unknown on here. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Maybe they're on an island. <laughs> uh, India, Netherlands, South Africa, Sweden, Malaysia, Norway, Italy, Serbia, Croatia, Hungary, Algeria, Mexico, and Ukraine. So that's just really so amazing to 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 know that people all across the world can can just tune in and listen and they do and I'm so excited and I appreciate it so much. Um and then there are 410 cities um that listen uh, in the United States. And I'm not going to go through all 410 of them because of course, hello, boring, but I'll just list like the top few, um, advanced North Carolina and Heathsville, Virginia, Jackson, Tennessee, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Atwater, Ohio, Pelican Rapids, Minnesota, Bluffton, South Carolina, South Jordan, Utah, Nashville, Tennessee, and Bolingbrook, Illinois. So those are the top 10 cities. And it's awesome. I mean, the cities just go on and on and on. I have a lot of California. Woohoo! I love my California listeners. I wish I lived there. <laughs> and um, some Texas and um, definitely up and down the East Coast. So I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And um, I'm so thankful for everyone who... Uh, I say tunes in, that's kind of like an old term, but I mean, that's what it is. You're tuning in and you're listening to the show. Um, so I just wanted to kind of uh, give a shout out to all of you guys. And what else? Um, oh, it's an exciting episode today. I'll just tell you right now, but um, it's Krista Watson. 
Yes, Krista Watson on my show. Woo, this is an awesome episode. So um, I'll get to that in just a couple of minutes, but I'm going to go through my segment one and um, kind of give you a little update on what's happening here. Last weekend was the International Quilt Festival and um, in Chicago. Um, it was at the Rosemont uh, Convention Center. This show has been coming here every spring for many, many years. And um, unfortunately, uh, I found out that this year is the last year that they're going to be here. I heard that they are looking for another permanent location or there was also talk that they might be um, moving locations for the spring show, um, kind of like rotating it. So I don't know um, what exactly uh, is going to happen next year, but I guess we all need to kind of stay tuned and and uh, to be determined. But um, they also, um, I think they're based out of Houston, Texas. So that one is definitely still there. And um, I don't, I forget when that is. It might be in the fall. Um, so anyway, about this show, there was a lot of good energy here and there were definitely a ton of people. And I went on the first day, I went on Thursday, which is supposed to be the least crowded day. And let me tell you, it was crowded and I just, I just didn't even want to think about what Saturday's crowds would be if this was like the least busy day, (laughs) which I mean, that's a good thing. Um, I mean, you don't want it to be dead, but you do want to be able to move around without like bumping into every single person there. Um, So what I saw, there were a couple of trends that I saw at the show. and One of them was so obvious. It was kind of funny. There were wool press mats everywhere. Like every other booth had their version of a wool press mat. And people were walking around with these press mats in their bags, like sticking out of the bags. <laughs> Everybody was buying them. So that was hilarious. Um, that was definitely a trend this year. And the uh, next trend I saw was cork fabric. This is the first time I saw cork fabric at this show. I didn't go last year, so it might have been there last year, too. But um, definitely this year, I went two years ago and it was not there then. So cork has definitely exploded on the scene. Um, I've been using cork for a couple years now um, due to Sarah Lawson carrying it in her online shop, So Sweetness. And she's kind of been ahead of that curve um, for a while now because um, she's been carrying not only the solid colors of corks, but all of the prints and the textures and the metallic and the pearl finished ones. So um, definitely check out her website for cork fabric because she's got a really good um, selection. So some of my favorite booths were um, Brooklyn Haberdashery. And they're from Brooklyn, New York. And they had a really nicely decorated booth. And they just have these really unique um products that are kind of have a vintage feel to them. She had some um, wooden needle holders um, and um, these cute tiny little um, like ceramic but magnetic um, needle minders I guess um, or pins you could put 
the pins, but it was really small. <laughs> it was cute though. And she's got embroidery, hand embroidery patterns that were really pretty. Um, so that was Brooklyn Haberdashery. Uh, I always love the Mary Flanagan Woolens uh, booth, and they are from Wisconsin, and they have the most beautiful wool fabrics. And this year, um, they had a theme of woven uh, wool strip projects. So I bought uh, a bunch of pre-cut wool strips. And um, I mean, they had beautiful pillow woven, they had a wall hanging that was woven. And so um, yeah, I got that. And um, oh, there was I know I'm missing some of my favorite booths, but those are the ones that really pop to the front of my mind right now. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the the quilt festival recap. Um, I do have a YouTube video on it, and um, I <laughs> I I took uh, I I clipped on like a little la uh, lav mic <laughs> to my shirt, and um, had my phone with a little handheld uh, kind of monopod thing and. Uh, this is a more traditional show, so um, they're they're not really that open to, you know, the whole like um, Instagram stories and YouTube videos and even selfie, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, I got I got a lot of weird side eye looks as I was walking around and and um, filming, but I definitely got permission from every booth that I did get um, video footage from because I know that's important. And um, especially at this show, because there actually were an, uh, <laughs> quite a few booths that had these, the big, you know, their signs of no camera, no photos, no nothing. And then I asked this one, you know, couple of booths and they were like, absolutely not. And then they were like following me around their booth. Cause this one had a corner spot they kind of had a big booth space. And um, so I just I just kind of like left. I saw a couple of cute fabrics, but I'm like, I'm I promise I'm not taking any video. I asked. That's why I asked permission. Um, so you said no, and I'm not going to take it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so and here's the thing with this, this day and age that we live in, with social media, Instagram stories, that sort of thing, Facebook, this is how businesses are staying alive. And I think some of these businesses that are super uber traditional, been around forever, that are not changing with the times because they don't realize um, that's free publicity for them. I mean, if if someone wants to showcase their booth and they want to like publish it on their YouTube, as long as they give proper credit to that booth and to who the product belongs to, um, they you know these these smarter businesses that stay ahead of the curve know this, and those were the ones like Brooklyn Haberdashery, like Sally Tomato that. Oh, welcomed me open arms and said, yes, please, please do take photos, take, you know, and, and do the proper credit. And absolutely. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, some of these other ones are like, no, you, you, you absolutely no. And I think they're afraid of copyright infringement of patterns and stuff like that. And I mean, it's just, um, you know, in today's world, you've got to be open 
to some of this, um, you know, social media um, marketing, because that really is an important tool, I believe, to stay afloat um, with small businesses. Um, So anyway, off my little soapbox on that one. And this was the first time that I, I did any kind of filming um, of this type on site um, for a YouTube video. So, uh, you know, the video's good. I edited it, it and um, I like it, but I could definitely see my hesitation and reaction to some people <laughs> there that kind of intimidated me. But um, I got a couple of good clips. So, oh, and I got a demonstration from TSC, which is, um, it stands for Teacher Stamp Company, but they um, they sell Japanese Sukuniko inks. Um, and you can uh, create your own fabrics with these inks. And then you use shaving cream as a carrier. And you can do templates. You can do like a tie-dye look. I mean, it's so fascinating. So he allowed me to film him doing a demonstration. So that's really interesting. You should go take a look at my YouTube video and check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, But anyway, that's the show. So um, what else? Oh, in Chicago here, we are getting a glimpse of spring. We're almost by the time this publishes will be almost mid-March. But it's the time of year where it's very volatile. You never know what, I mean, if you're supposed to wear a winter coat or a um, windbreaker or what, because it'll start off freezing, then it'll get up to 58 degrees. And then in a couple of hours, it's like back down in the forties and thirties again. <laughs> so, um, but it's coming because we're definitely kind of starting to get up there in the fifties. So, um, yeah, and I'm seeing all the little spring birds out and everything. So I'm getting excited for spring. Um, okay, the Allison Glass Sew Along. Of course, I am so totally behind on this. How I've been working on it, but I'm just behind. I knew it. I knew that doing a block every single day of the week was going to be near impossible for me. But... On this one, I'm not that worried about it because they're little four and a half inch blocks and um, I've kind of prepped a bunch of them. So it's really more of the prep work for me. And then uh, once you start sewing them, it doesn't take any time at all to sew them to um, get the block sewn. So um, I'll, I'll probably work on that definitely um, over the weekend. Um, what else? But it's cute. I I actually love these little blocks. So I do get excited once they're done. And uh, I'm going to do a video. So so subscribe to my YouTube channel because I've been posting a couple more videos up there. And um, I'm going to do a video on this freezer paper template um, technique. Uh, because I think that not a ton of people are familiar with it. And it's just a different technique. And I have seen people post in the the um, Allison Glass Facebook group that are doing this so long that got um, frustrated. And a couple of people quit like after the first week. And I was kind of sad about that because that was me when I first tried foundation paper piecing. And then I just did the same thing. I'm like, no, this is not for me. Not doing it. Well, when I reapproached it and um, learned 
and actually found a pattern that I really, really wanted to make. Um, that's when I really discovered some other techniques. And this freezer paper one, I feel it might be a little bit more prep work, but it makes the sewing of the blocks much easier and it's not as confusing because a lot of times it's confusing to know what size to cut your fabrics. That was the frustration. People were getting upset because they didn't have enough fabric covering the seam allowance for the next section of the, the um, paper pieced pattern. So, um, and that's kind of hard to to really gauge unless you've done it, you know, more often and you kind of know and people don't want to waste fabric and all that kind of stuff. So this freezer paper piece method actually conserves on fabric and it makes sure that you have enough fabric um, to cover all of the seam allowances all around the section. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. Let's just, um, I've talked enough. <laughs> you guys are waiting for my conversation with Krista Watson. So here we go. Um, I recorded this episode with Krista in, oh, I think it was like March 7th. So um, enjoy. And this is a great, I love, love, love this episode. And I love Krista. And thank you so much, Krista. It was such a great conversation. I'm so excited. I have got Krista Watson on the podcast today. Welcome, Krista. Hello. Yay. Hi, Stephanie. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. Your podcast is so fun and inspiring to listen to. I just found it um, recently, just last few weeks, and now I'm addicted. So thank oh, you yay. for having me. I'm so glad. <laughs> no, thank you for being on. I just, uh, um, I, I had Stephanie Kendron on one of my first recordings, and I told her, you know, I know I'm a little, just a little bitty startup podcast, so I'm not really going for any of the bigger one. She's like, you should, girl, go, go for it. I'm like, all right. I email Krista Watson. Yes. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, and you know what it is for me? Like, I feel like I'm friends with the podcast people I listen to. Some of them I've met, you know, a lot of them I haven't, but I, I do this professionally as a living. I quilt um, almost every day, except for now, because I just uh -huh. moved in and I don't have my sewing machine set up, but oh. I quilt almost every day for hours and hours. And I have to have something to listen to. And I can't watch movies and I can't listen to music. Mm -hmm. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks. So when I, you know, need hours and hours of listening, I love finding podcasts. And I feel like my podcasters I listen to are my friends, but they're they're perfect friends because they talk to me and they entertain me and I don't have to talk back. So it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I do too. I, I love I feel I feel like I know the podcasters that I listen to as well. And even um uh when I was at a quilt show um, a couple years ago, Mary Fonz was there and she was signing books and stuff. And I kind of like walked up to see what was happening. And I just started talking to her. I didn't even introduce myself as if she knew me. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, but you know what? like, you know me. <laughs> but she's so good. She's a professional. She was so nice. She, she will like talk to you like you're her best friend. Right. And I love that. I love that about professional quilters. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I know, but I was just like totally like horrified with myself of like she what do you, who do you, she doesn't even know you. <laughs> I'm sure she's had way 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 more interesting stories. So no, you're you're good. I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, uh, I, I mean, you have a million trillion followers, and I know a lot of people know oh your story, 
But, you know, I, I still want to go into a little bit because what I like to also pull out of people is not just like, you know, their creative journey, but, you know, I'm interested in what, what, you know, sparked any sort of form of creativity in your life that you noticed as a kid or, or when did it start for you? Because it could, you know, sometimes it's not the sewing that started it. It could be something else. And then how that kind of built your background into what you're doing today. Okay, sure. Well, I, I knew early on, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be creative, but I was always a struggling creative. And what I mean by that is I wanted, like, literally, the first thing I wanted to do, is, as long as I can remember, when I was a kid, is I wanted to be an artist. And I got very discouraged right away because I couldn't draw. And so when I was younger, that's what I thought that being an artist meant, is that you could draw, and mm. I couldn't even draw stick figures. And so I got very discouraged, but then I started exploring other mediums. Um, you know, I tried painting, I tried drawing, I tried calligraphy, I tried crochet, I tried pottery, like, I literally, ceramics, I mean, literally anything under the sun, scrapbooking, like, Ever since I was little, I would try different things and, and I failed at all of them. And it took me a long time until I was literally, like I said, I started when I was a little kid and it wasn't until my twenties when I got married that I stumbled into quilting and I didn't fail. That was the one thing after I tried everything, dozens mm -hmm. and dozens of mediums, I could quilt. Wow. I couldn't sew, I couldn't do clothing, I couldn't paint, like I couldn't do any of them. And I could quilt. And so I felt like, oh, my gosh, finally, this is something that I love and I enjoy and I want to do it the rest of my life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like once you found it, you're, you're like, this is it. I'm yeah, I'm in exactly. it, in it to win it. <laughs> yep, that, exactly, exactly. And now it's taken another 20 years to figure out how to turn it into a business and what, you know, aspects of quilting I want to go into. So you kind of say I'm like I'm a slow learner. Once I get something, it sticks. But it takes me a long time to get there. I hear you. Yep. Um, that that's cool. So you so you started quilting, you know, actually as an adult, and you've just um, not never looked back since then. Um, and um, so, how long were you quilting um, before you started Krista Quilts? Because you started as um, selling pre-cut fabrics, right? Yeah, exactly. So kind of the story, kind of the long windy story of that is that, um, like I said, I started, I discovered quilting in my twenties, um, because some gals at church were just tying quilts for charity and they invited me to do it. You know, it's kind of funny. I wasn't looking for it at the time. I'd pretty much given up on creativity at that time because I had failed at everything. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was newly married and I was in school getting my business degree. And so I thought, okay, well, if I can't pursue art, I'll pursue business. You know, so I thought, okay, you know, and so I, uh, you know, when you're not looking for it, it happens. So we're, we're doing these charity quilts for, uh, for church and I just fell in love and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. I want to do this forever. And then because I was in business school in the back of my mind, I always knew I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like my whole life, I would always sell things and try to, you know, get people involved in whatever scheme I was, I was into. And so I knew I wanted to have my own business and all of a sudden everything kind of came together where I was like, Oh my gosh, I found this creative outlet that I love. 
I want to have a business. Can I make quilting my business? And so, um, like I said, in my early 20s, I was kind of a young, you know, starving college student, newly married, that kind of thing. And so it was really within about two to three years after I uh, learned how to quilt that I started teaching other people how to quilt mm. and it just kind of as a side hobby but it just grew and grew and grew then I dabbled in selling my quilts my you know handmade quilts at um, festivals and consignment shops and things like that and it literally took me you know again many many years to figure out how to make it work and so the pre-cut store came about because one of my students that I was teaching at the time you know I was, I was just teaching at like the local quilt shops and the local you know one of the local big box stores and the funny thing was is even though I taught at one of the big box stores I knew that I didn't like their quality of fabric so I would kind of teach my students but I'd also say and you kind of want to have nice fabric so one of my students was like well can I just buy fabric from you and that's what began my journey of selling fabric and I was like okay yeah sure I had been buying fabric wholesale to make and sell at these little craft shows and things like that. So she came over and she bought some fabric from me. And I was like, okay, well, this is kind of fun. Um, she likes my taste and fabric. And then she was the one that told me, this was back in 2003. She said, you know what you should do? You should sell fabric online on eBay. And I said, what? Nobody's <laughs> going to want to buy fabric online. You can't touch it. I mean, little uh -huh. did I know at the time, but it really was. It really was the student of mine really pushing me to, to get online and start selling fabric online. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then at the same time, um, this is about 2006 now, kind of my journey. Late sure. 90s, I started quilting and teaching. 2003, I, I started selling on eBay. And then a couple of years later, my husband, who, who was also um, had studied business and he went on to be a CPA, he had been working at his job now for 10 years. Sorry, this is kind of a long story, but he'd been working at his job at a CPA firm for 10 years, not enjoying it, not wanting to do that the rest of his life. He too wanted to be a business owner and he wanted to quit his job. He was tired of, you know, working long hours. And I remember him coming home one day to me in 2006 and saying, you know what, let's figure out how to make a business you know, work, let's work together from home. It was his idea. And so I was like, well, I kind of have this side hobby, the side hustle where I'm selling fabric online on eBay. What do you think about making a business plan and seeing if we can do this full time? So we sat down, we crunched the numbers, you know, both of us having this kind of business background and we said, okay, if we sell XYZ, if we do ABC, we can make a decent amount of income to support us. And by that time we had three kids, you know, we can support us and our three kids if we are very frugal and do this. And so we set about doing that and it worked great for like two years <laughs> until the economy crashed in 2008. Mm. I'm sure everybody remembers that. And so, but at the time we're like, oh my gosh, what have we gotten ourselves into? We'd moved, just moved into a new house, all this kind of stuff, but we just kind of pushed through it and we just got through it. Like anybody does, you're just resourceful. You, 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 live on a shoestring budget, you eat a lot of ramen and beans and that kind of thing. And so we got through and then it really wasn't until about, um, where am I at? Let's see, 2008, four years later, 2012, that it was my husband's brilliant idea to say, okay, let's change the focus of our business. So again, we were selling fabric online, selling on eBay, had our own website, that kind of thing. The sad part about that is I was spending hours and hours every day cutting and packaging and shipping orders. Mm -hmm. And as anybody who's ever worked in a quilt shop knows or who's been a quilt shop owner, owning a quilt shop and making quilts are two different things. If you run a quilting business, you ha you don't have a lot of time to sew for fun. And so I was getting kind of bummed out that I didn't, I was, you know, we we're struggling along with our business. It was doing okay, but I didn't have time for me. And also in the back of my mind, so this all gets kind of complicated and woven together. I knew that someday I wanted to write books and someday I wanted to travel and I wanted to teach and I wanted to design fabric and I wanted to design patterns and I wanted to do all that stuff. 
But up until that time, I felt like nobody's going to take me seriously because I'm too young. I don't know where that came from, but I was always the youngest in my guild. I was always, I was, I felt like I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the, you know, I just, I wasn't the typical quilter. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I was holding back, but it was my husband's idea in 2012 to say, you know what, let's quit cutting fabric out all day and let's just sell pre-cuts because then we can buy them. They're already done. It can cut down on our labor. Um, and it was an experiment and it worked. And so 2012 is a big turning point for the business because it freed me up to now have time to write books and stuff. And then another huge, huge thing happened 2012, beginning of 2013. I bumbled into the modern quilt movement. I heard about the modern quilts. I went to QuiltCon, the very first one in 2013, and I came home on fire ready to finally write books, design patterns, do all that kind of stuff that I had wanted to do way back in the 90s when I began, but again, felt like I didn't have the experience. So it wasn't until I went there that I came home and I was like, you know what? Everybody out there writing books, teaching at QuiltCon, doing all this stuff, this was this whole other side of quilting and they were like 10 to 20 years younger and they were younger than me. And by this time I was like, oh, if they're writing books, I can write books. I don't have to wait until I'm retired. So I hate to kind of bring the age thing into it, but it really was holding me back because up until this time, you know, I started quilting in my twenties. I'm in my mid forties now. Um, So it was really about when I was about 38, 39, 40 that I realized, okay, I don't have to wait until I'm in my sixties to be a professional quilter. I don't have to wait until my kids are out of the house to write a book. And QuiltCon, meeting all these younger quilters that were doing it professionally and had been doing it professionally for years, and they were all 10 years younger than me. I'm like, all right, I'm not waiting anymore. I'm going to do it. So that's kind of my long roundabout story to come back from QuiltCon 2013, put in a book proposal, start teaching nationally, doing all that stuff. And it's been a whirlwind of last five or six years, basically making up for the past 20 years. Yeah, I have seen that I, because I think I've discovered you right when you got into the modern quilting, and um, yeah, and 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 I with your pre-cut store, and you know that actually was pretty brilliant on your husband's part <laughs> to specialize in a niche fa- uh, niche uh, business um, category like that because I think it set you apart, and you know people know. I, that some people just quilt with pre-cuts and yeah. that's what they want. So Yeah, and I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because my latest book, I mean, kind of jumping around, is all about quilting with pre-cuts because I was like, oh, yeah, we sell them. And at the time, I wasn't sure it would work because I thought, well, people need other fabric to go with it. And then we realized, no, they can get that from other places. If they need backings or backgrounds or whatever, with us just focusing on the pre-cuts, not only did we not have to carry all this inventory of bolts and bolts and bolts, but it, like you said, it was a niche. And what's really been wonderful, like I said, this has been an evolution over, I would say it's been like a 20 something year journey, but it's only been the last five to six years where we've really focused. And again, once, once we quit selling fabric by the yard, then I had time to focus on what I wanted to do. And then just a couple of years ago, maybe about three or four years ago, we really separated our duties. So like my, you know, people always ask me about the pre-cut store or what I have. And I laugh because that's my husband. Now he does that 100%. <laughs> he does, he does all that. He goes to quilt market with me. He bought, he does all the buying. He does all the purchasing. Mm-hmm. I get to do what I call the fun stuff, the designing, the teaching, the writing, the whole reason I got into quilting in the first place. So even though we're, it's all under the umbrella of Krista Quilt. He runs the pre-cut store. I run the designer end of it. And now I get to do fun things like design my own fabric, which now I sell 
by the yard, but I only sell my fabric by the yard. Yes. <laughs> Nobody else's. Yes, I love that. That is fantastic because um, it, it is, you know, as, as I'm entering into, you know, I'm, I've been in interior design for the past like 18 plus years and oh. have, same as you, always wanted, when I went to design school and, and design school was a second career for me. So I went back to school in my late 20s for that. Oh, that's awesome. And I went there knowing that I wanted to have a, a business, a studio business for my home. So um, where most of the students that I, were around me were there to, like, go to, into commercial design and, you know, all that stuff. Right. But I was like, no, residential, out of my home. I want to be a business owner. So, yeah, similar thing. And now I've shifted towards, you know, I want to get into this quilting, sewing, home, like, maker business as well. So, but I kind of take my time like you. <laughs> I know. It, it you have happens. to. Oh my gosh, I always tell people in my classes, you know, because I teach a lot about machine quilting and stuff, and they get frustrated that they can't just be successful right away or or know what they want to focus on. And what I've realized in my own life is it's going to take you a long time to figure out what you want to do in life, in personal, in business, whatever, because you have to weed through everything else. You have to find out what you don't like, what you're not good at, what you fail at. You have to find out all that stuff first before right. you can find out what you're good at, what you succeed at. And it takes a long time. I mean, it's taken yeah, me over 20 years to figure does. it out. Yeah. And like you had people, you know, pushing you, you should do this, you should do that. And people did the same thing with me of like, you should sell, you should open Etsy, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I love to make things, but I don't love to manufacture things. Like I, yeah. you know, I'm. You're, you're not a sweatshop. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not fast enough to do it either. I'm not a, I'm not a ultra fast productive sewer like some people are. Well, and that's, that's what I found out with quilting because in my early days I did try to be a manufacturer. I did set up at quilt shows. I did try to make, you know, a bunch of wall hangings and little things and, and quilt. And I realized you know, you just can't do that because you can't sustain that output. Right. And so then once I got into the design aspect and more of the teaching aspect, I realized, oh, I can I can make one quilt. And from that one quilt, I can sell a pattern for it. I can sell the fabric for it. I could sell a kit. I could teach a class. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to get so much more content out of each and every quilt I make, mm -hmm. much more than if I just made that one quilt and sold it one time. I right. can sell, you know, thousands of patterns of one quilt compared to just selling the one quilt one time. So once I kind of had that mind shift to realize that teaching a service and teaching a skill was much more enjoyable and profitable than selling the quilt itself, that was also a huge turning point for me too. Yeah, that's great. And that's kind of like the path that I'm sort of going in toward, into, you know, because um, I'm a designer anyway. I'm an interior designer and, and I want to design patterns and, and do that sort of thing. I started my YouTube channel. So, you yep. know, just building it one day at a time. But it's funny. I want to go back to the thing where you talked about the age thing because it's, it's funny because you had the opposite age um, kind of, uh, I guess, anxiety and fears than I did because I felt, I feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm coming into this industry so old. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, I think I'm older than you. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're around the same age. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> and um, and so it's like you know I'm in getting into the podcasting and YouTube and you know I, they're like some people like and especially some of the younger generation thinks that you're too old. Like, what are you doing on a YouTube channel? And you know, so I kind of have that sort of 
like, oh, am I trying, you know, like, am I too old for this or whatever? But now that I started my podcast and, you know, I've developed a little bit more confidence that I love it. I love podcasting. So that is so fun. And then well, I, saw, when I realized, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I saw Barry J do a post like a year ago about her friend and it was all about ageism. And her friend has a like 100,000 followers and she's interior decorator. And like she was getting all slammed because she was like in her 50s do it, being like a, a Instagram influencer. And it was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I've realized, and of course it's different in any industry, is that, you know, really age doesn't matter. That's only stuff that we we're, we put things in our own way. You know, we put true. we create our own roadblocks. That's true. And so now that I get out, I mean, yes, there's def- definitely different demographics um, with quilting, traditional quilting versus modern quilting. But at the end of the day, if you're passionate about something, whether it's art, whether it's quilting, you're going to find your group. And like I said, no one, no one is really going to matter. I mean, yeah, you've got this all social influence or whatever, and that's a whole different ballgame. But it was, when it comes to quilting and creativity, you know, I love hearing the stories of like artists like Lisa Congdon that like didn't even start or go to art school until she was in her late 30s, early 40s, something mm-hmm. like that, or other amazing people that didn't start painting till they were in their 70s or whatever. And so really, because of the internet and because of social media, like you can find your niche and I think, I think the biggest thing is, is it's, there's more access for everyone, you mm-hmm. know, cause back when in the early nineties, when I was learning to quilt, I got my information from magazines and books and traditional quilt, quilt guilds. I didn't know. I mean, I knew about art quilting and now I, if you look back a lot of the, a lot of the art quilting that was um, considered abstract art in the nineties really shares a lot of similarities with modern quilting today, Mm -hmm. but I never pursued art quilting back then because I was like, Oh no, I'm not an art quilter. So I didn't even like get into that. But like Nancy Crow and Gwen Marston and all those gals, Mm -hmm. I grew up in the nineties hearing those names, but I was like, Oh, well they're art quilters. Well now people like the, the modern quilt um, movement has glommed onto them because they have amazing, you know, they have amazing technique and amazing style. Mm -hmm. And the whole long winded point of this is when you find something that you like and you're passionate about it, age doesn't matter. You just do it yeah. and you love it and your audience will love it too. And as long as you bring that passion and that enthusiasm, nothing else matters. Yeah. And I'm learning that slowly but surely. <laughs> I have too. And you're right. And and um, it is more yourself or myself getting in my own way. It's true because once I like, you know – banish those blockades that I put up for myself as like excuses or whatever, or fear that I'm not going to succeed, then I like take off. So I think it's, it's, that's very, very true. True to point. It's all, yeah. It's all about that self-confidence. Like I said, yeah. you, you know, you're your own worst enemy. You're the one getting in your own way. Yep. So whenever I feel, or I worry, cause all of us do it, no matter what, uh-huh. you know, stage we're at. I mean, I'm doing this professionally. This is my full-time job has been my full-time job for, you know, at least 10 years now. Um, when, when that niggling voice comes in, that negative, you know, the negative Nelly that you're mm-hmm. going to fail, this isn't going to work. I just say, go out, you know, get away from me. <laughs> you know, let me, <laughs> let me act as if I was going to succeed and what would happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's just overcoming, overcoming that self doubt and just doing it anyway. Right. And, and, and I always tell this, I tell this to my kids now because I've got like, you know, teenagers heading into a young adulthood and my kids are like, well, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that. And I'm like, you just do it and you just pursue it. And you keep going even when it looks like it's not going to work, even when it looks like it's going to fail, even when people are you know, telling you not to, you do it. And the only people that fail in the long run are those that give up. But right. if you stick with it long enough, it will work. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's great. So, um, let so you talked a little bit about your your books, and I've got two of your books Yay! right here. Oh Woo! my. My child number one, Machine Quilting with Style, and yes. then child number two, um, The Ultimate Guide to Machine Quilting that I uh, wrote with Angela. Yes. So when we get off the phone, you give me your address, and I will send you my third book, Peace <gasps> and Quilt with Pre-Cuts. So then you'll have the complete set. Yay! So there you go. Yay! Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. These books are I, – I have them, like, on a, a shelf at – this is my office and right there is my sewing studio room thing, but they're like within reach because I reach for these a lot. Oh, that's so nice. They're, that's like complimenting my children or telling me I have cute pets. That's they awesome. are useful <laughs> reference books. I love them. And, um, your machine quilting with style is when, um, I use the radiating lines on my husband's oh. rock t-shirt quilt. <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to see that. I don't, if, if you do show notes or something, you have to put a picture. I will. I'll put a that. picture of it okay. on there. And oh. I can, t- I have to tell you, that was so fun to quilt because it was freeing. Like I didn't, and I was still, when I quilted that, like a few years back, I was still kind of new to machine quilting and unsure of myself. So, um, I just like got your book and, um, read through it and I'm like, yeah, these radiating lines, I, they don't have to be measured or perfect or anything. And it was awesome. And what more perfect of a, um, style of a quilt than a rock t-shirt quilt to like, how awesome. Those oh my gosh. Lines. Yeah. So that was really cool. I love that. And then, oh, thanks. Yeah. And then, um, your book with Angela, I love too, and I'm starting to reference this a little bit more now because um, I um, I'm, I'm trying to do the combining of the you know machine quilt or now I'm starting to get into the ruler quilting. And oh, nice! Mixing nice. that with free motion, but nice. um, but there's there's a, a quilt in here that you've and you know what else is cool about this book is that. It's color coded the pages, so you know who is who, who's talking in the book at what whatever point you're at. Because Angela's pages are like a teal, and your pages are a orange and peach. Yeah, and it was fun to do that because the, the publisher that was their idea, and then they had us for the picture of it on the cover. They're like, okay, they told her to like wear something teal, and they wore you know me to wear something kind of orange, and so I had fun going shopping for like all these outfits to kind of figure, out, okay, what's going to look good on the cover of the book? But um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was oh my gosh, it was so amazing for those of you. I mean, I don't know who has not heard of Angela Walters, you know, I know midnight right? quilter. <laughs> she's just she's amazing. Oh my I gosh, know. she's amazing. She oh, is. I have a funny story. I, yeah. I always go off on tangents, so no, you know, um, that's what we're gonna Angela. And I wrote that book together uh-huh. and then she went on later to write a book with uh, Tula Pink, which yeah. is awesome. So now whenever I, t- I see Tula Pink, I say, hey, you're my author-in-law because we both wrote a book <laughs> with Angela. Right? <laughs> yeah, you're anyway, one big family. I, know. I love it. I know. She was she was working on her book with Tula, I think, right when we were wrapping up working on our book. And I told her, okay, you quilt around. That's totally fine. But anyway, <laughs> she, was, she was amazing. She was so such an amazing person. And if you've ever met her in person, she's just sweet and genuine and just passionate about what she does. You know, passionate you can for tell. long-arm quilting. Yeah. You and I, can I tell. Love, yeah. I love that. I love that. I can't. I haven't met her yet, but I want to. It's, oh, yeah. I, I intend to. <laughs> She's awesome. And when you get us together, like, uh, taking pictures, like I'm the short one. So she's the tall one. I'm the short one. <laughs> and, and it, you know, that really comes out of everyone who, and when I talk to people, it's just like, you can tell when someone's passionate about what they do because it just exudes joy 
and and positivity and i just i love that i gravitate toward that so i love that about you guys but look oh thank you this is your butterfly uh-huh i love that so much i'm like oh thank you i wanted i want to try this sometime but so for people who are can't see my the book that i'm holding up but i'm going to put links of this in the show notes but this is from the ultimate guide to machine quilting long arm and sit down and um, it's really cool because um, it's kind of like a tandem. You could do whatever on the from the long arm on your sit down. That's what's really cool about this book. It really shows people that they. Well, can... and what was really fun about it, like what was really fun about it, is so we each made the same ten quilts and we quilted them huh. like completely different ways. Right. And and what was cool about it is so like Angela does swirls one way on the long arm, and then I do swirls a different way on. A domestic and so in the book mm-hmm. there's over I counted there's like over 50 different designs but then you get like variations you know you can do right. Angela swirls or you can do Krista swirls or you can mix them and match them and mm-hmm. everybody's going to take their little bits and pieces of what they want and create their own unique combination right. and so I loved giving people the tools to be able to do that and I have to say this the book that we wrote it came out in 2016 mm-hmm. I have been super impressed with Angela because when we first wrote the book she was not a sit-down quilter at all she was just a long armor right. and I cannot long arm to save my life However, now that she's been doing like the Midnight Quilt Show uh, for uh-huh. Blueprint, you know, formerly Craftsy, yes. um, she's taught herself to to be a sit-down machine quilter, and she's good. And so to me, what I want people to take away from that is realize it doesn't matter the machine. It doesn't matter, you know, the tools. It matters. What matters is a can-do attitude. And so she literally – I talked to her about that one time. I was like, Angela, you are an amazing sit-down quilter. She goes, yeah, I just sat down and I taught myself. And she had to because she had to teach herself so that she could do those videos for uh, Craftsy Blueprint. Right. And so the, the moral of the story is you sit down with determination. You practice your 15 minutes uh-huh. a day. And you'll have your own YouTube show. No, I'm kidding. I can't guarantee that. But <laughs> it's possible. It's possible because yeah. long arm quilting and sit down quilting are completely different animals. And sure. the people that can go back and forth like Angela like Angela can, I call those people being quilting ambidextrous. I was and just going to say skill. it's ambidextrous mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And so, so, but it's just a good testament that, yeah, practice really does make a difference. And you can teach yourself you know, whatever you want to, if you're willing to put in the effort to do it. So that's what I was going to ask you, because this is this butterfly um, quilt pattern in the book is definitely more of a intermediate advanced, I would say. Yes. Level. Yes, I agree. So I'm not there. I'm not there yet. But these little circles um, in the butterfly wing, I've practiced those. So like I see components in there that you kind of build as you're learning the techniques yes, exactly exactly and yeah then you put them together and you put them together yeah so that's cool I'm looking forward to kind of getting up to that point but um it does take practice though because I got away from it for a couple of years where I really didn't do any machine quilting and now I'm picking it up again this year and it's just like whoa I'm so rusty and <laughs> <laughs> Well, what I would tell people, and and because I have been machine quilting my quilts from the beginning, I always say that I do my own sewing stunts. You know, I piece my own quilt. I quilt my own quilts. Now I design the fabric for the quilts. I just love every step of the process. And I know that people like to pick and choose different steps, and that's A-OK. I always say, hey, if you're not into quilting your own quilts, like, we can still be friends. We can talk about quilting. That's awesome. But if you do want to learn to quilt your own quilt, I absolutely want to teach you and empower you. But the number one thing that I, I, I see in my classes People get frustrated 
because they forget that I've been machine quilting, not just piecing. I've been machine quilting for 25 years and they, they've been doing it for five minutes, right. you know? And so you have to remember that it's going to take time, not necessarily 25 years, but if you basically practice the same design 15 minutes a day for like a week or two and you, and you date it, if you just take a bunch of practice samples and you say, okay, I'm going to give myself like 10 days of machine quilting and you do day number one and day number 10 by day number 10, you will see a huge improvement. And it's that thing of just every day, 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, yeah. over and over and over again, you build it up over time. You can't cram, you know, you can't rush quilting. You right. have to take it day by day. But it only takes yeah. a couple of weeks of determined effort and you'll be better. Yeah, you're definitely right on that because even like when I first started and I, I realized how rusty I was, because um, I had gotten better at it. I mean, I did that whole loop-de-loop -loop with the hearts, Meander, on my sister's baby quilts. Um, Such a, few a fun years one. Back. Yeah, I love it. But, um, you know, at first I was like, oh, my gosh. But then I practiced for like two to three days. And even by that time, I, I, I was just, you know, it's like riding a bicycle. You just got to get the movement, the mm -hmm. memory back. And, you know, so it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Yeah, I I also compare it to doing a musical instrument. Now, in in you know in the future, I love I love music and I like to play piano. I'm not very good at it, but you know how some people say, oh, when I retire, I'll take up quilting. Mm -hmm. Well, when I retire, I'll take up learning how to play the piano for real. But I dabble in it here and there. And what I've found, and my kids like to play and stuff, is that you can't you can't just learn a piece all in one day. You cannot practice piano for five hours in a day and get better at it. You have to do it 15 minutes a day, half an hour a day, because something happens yeah. to your brain at night where it takes in all the information, you know, and they've done studies on this, which I think mm -hmm. is fascinating. It takes in the information. It <clears throat> somehow goes through your brain, your brain gets all cleared at night. And then the next day you're better. So huh. you, if you tried to practice piano or quilt for that matter for two to three hours in one day, that's not as effective as doing as 15 minutes of practice for four days. So in other mm -hmm. words, one hour in one day is not as effective as 15 minutes spread over four days because your brain has time to process it in between. Mm. So people can just remember that. Then they, they'll they feel like, okay, yes, I'm get it, getting it. And they don't give up after you know the first 15 minutes. That's interesting. Yeah. I grew up taking piano lessons. So oh, hey, I, hey. Know, I know the difficulties of it. But um, <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> I... <laughs> I can't play by ear. I wish I could. Like people, you know, there's oh, some musicians either. that can play by ear, but I can sight read music pretty decently. Yeah, and it's learning. Yeah, that's and, how I am too. I have to sight read because I'm, yeah. I'm also um, I'm also hard of hearing and I wear mm -hmm. hearing aids. And so I can't pick out the notes, you know, uh -huh. I'm like, I don't know what the different notes, but right. if I see it on a, a thing, yeah. you know, then I can play. Oh, okay, right. I know what note that's supposed right. to be. So kind of like with quilting, I'm like... <laughs> If I, I mean, that's really funny. I hadn't thought of this before, but one of the things that I teach in my classes um, and my online, I have, you know, crafty blueprint classes is I teach about making a quilting plan and I realize, oh my gosh, that's just like, again, music. I can't sight read or I mean, I can't just play by ear. I have to see the notes to play uh -huh. when I'm quilting. I'm not one of those quilters that can just dive in and say, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to quilt whatever. I have to have a plan. I yeah. have to say, okay, I'm going to do stipple or I'm going to do swirls or I'm going to do loop-de-loops or whatever. And I can quilt them all over the quilt, but I can't just dive in without having a plan. I'm and the so same. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. And then, except that <laughs> with the sight reading though, I sometimes would shirk off um, practicing till my next lesson, but um, because I could sight read, I, I could play to a you certain level, <laughs> yeah. but then my piano teacher caught on. 
And she's yeah, like, she's like, she's no, like, no, no. all right, I'm on to you. All right. Well, we'll have to get together and we'll have to do quilting and piano playing at the same time. We could be like the dueling quilters or the dueling piano player. That right. would be fun. There we yes, go. In my... So now let's talk about um, your sewing machines. Cause I'm always, I love sewing machines and I love finding Yay. out what uh, different people sew on. I already know what you sew on, but you can okay. tell, you can tell everybody. Okay. Well, I, okay. So another funny story. So remember that story I said, a friend of mine taught me how to, um, make charity quilts for church. Yes. So after we were, uh, we were just tying them and having so much fun, the gal that was kind of in charge of it all back, you know, 25 years ago, she's like, Oh, you really like this quilting thing. Huh? I said, yeah. She goes, why don't you come over and I'll give you some quilting lessons and I'll teach you how to quilt. So she was amazing. So um, up until this time, I'd never heard of any sewing machine before. My mom had always sewn clothing and she just had a, you know, cheapy singer from the seventies. And so mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, okay. Singer, that must be like the number one brand. So I walk into this lady's house and I'm all excited, but then I see out of the corner of my eye, she has this sewing machine. I'd never heard of before. I thought, Oh, she must not know what she's doing. She does not have a singer. <laughs> she has this machine called a Bernina. Like who's ever heard of a Bernina, <laughs> which, you know, ha ha. I'm now a Bernina ambassador. But, um, yeah. yeah, so that was my first experience ever quilting. Um, and so my second, I wouldn't say my first machine. My first machine was just kind of a, like a used hand-me-down thing. But as soon as I could, I saved up my money. I got a used Bernina for my first one. And I've been sewing on Berninas ever since. I just love the stitch quality. I love how they feel. Mm-hmm. I just I just have good results every time. Yeah, that's great. It, I I didn't. I just got my first Bernina maybe like three or so years ago, and it was a used one. And um, oh my gosh, it was a because I had been sewing on Baby Lock, which is also a good machine. Oh yeah, um, those are great but machines, yeah. I just always wanted to to try and to sew a, with a Bernina because you know it was just like Swiss technology and you know all that. <laughs> You know, it's just it's it's like, you know, buying the Rolls Royce of sewing machines. And I knew that it was expensive. I mean, that's the whole big thing. But I just so you, you, buy, know, you buy your first one used. I mean, that's yeah, what I, did. I bought yeah. mine. I bought my first Bernina used for like less than half the price. Mm-hmm. I used it for literally 15, 16 years. Awesome. And the thing I always tell everybody is you do not have to have all the bells and whistles to right. start. So I always say, had I not bought that cheap used Bernina, it would not have given me the experience I needed to quilt a big queen size quilt on mm-hmm. six inches of throat space until I was at the situation only about five years ago when I could finally get like the machine of my dreams, you know, right. so you don't have to start off with the big, most expensive machine. Right. It's more important to just start with what you can afford, get the mm-hmm. nicest one you can afford. And then as you become a better quilter, better piecer, you'll understand the features that you want. Like right. what I love because I do a lot of walking foot quilting and mm-hmm. free motion quilting. Mm-hmm. So I'm always switching my feet. I'm switching right. back and forth between walking foot and free motion. And so for me, the number one thing that I loved about that machine that no other machine had was um, clip on, not, not snap on feet, but the whole, the whole foot comes off yeah, without the little, having to put just a flick yeah. the lever back and forth. I love that too. Yeah. And you don't have so to unscrew easy. anything. No. Yeah, whenever I I see people in class having to whip out their screwdrivers oh, to know. unscrew their foot, I'm like, no way. It's like mm-hmm. to, it's one-handed. Mm-hmm. I switch off the foot one hand and put the other one. But anyway, yeah. but again, I always tell people, you know, buy the machine that you have. Yeah. You know, I teach I teach on a variety of machines. And again, the most important thing, rather than spending, you know, thousands of dollars on a machine, mm-hmm. is do you have a good attitude? Are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to figure it out? And then you're going to have result, good results no matter what machine you have. Right, right. Absolutely. So how do you become a Bernina ambassador? I always wonder that because I see all these ambassadors of all the different products. But do they ask you or do you 
you know, do they notice you or do you ask them or <laughs> it's a lot of kind of a big variety. And this will go into something I was thinking about earlier in getting ready for, you know, to chat with you. And mm -hmm. I'm always, I know it's not a business podcast, but I always love to share whether it's quilting, whether it's business, you know, and I love answering stuff like this. What I did, and I know everybody's instance is different is I, ha I didn't even know about ambassadorships until I went to this business conference back in 2013, the magic year, <laughs> that was my turning point year. Um, and I went to this conference um, called, Oh my gosh, what was it called? Sewing summit i think it was they only had it for a couple of years and they had people from bernina there and one of the one of the classes it was like a sewing conference but you could also take business classes at the same time uh -huh. fabulous which by the way sorry i have to give a little plug they're doing an, a similar conference by totally different people um at quilt market in the fall called threads of success so oh. a little plug if you're interested in getting involved in the quilting industry and you're new and you want to answer questions like how do i become an ambassador how do i write a book blah 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 Th this thing called threads of success at fall quilt market and i'm actually teaching one of the classes but anyway Ooh. back to 2013 no. so there was a similar type conference that was called sewing summit and so one of the classes was about um branding and marketing and how do you become like an ambassador or an influencer and so one of the guests was people from bernina and they basically said you know you you need to you know you need to have a following you need to have books you need to you need to be an influencer is basically what they said ah. and if you're interested in that then you can contact us and we're looking for ambassadors so I, this is back in 2013 and I knew, okay, I want to be a Bernina ambassador because this is the only machine I've ever sewn on, ever will sew on. And I went up to them and I said, okay, I'm, I'm interested. And then um, they said, okay, well, keep in touch with us is basically what they said. And so that was one of the big um, uh, kind of pushes for me to write a book. Cause I thought, okay, I cannot be a Bernina ambassador unless I have a book, unless I have a social media following, blah, blah, blah. So I worked on it. And so again, that was 2013. It wasn't until 2015 that I contacted them formally. And I said, okay, my first book came out. I'm very much interested. And what they said is they said, okay, that's nice. We'll keep an eye on you, you know, which <laughs> is a nice way to say no, right. not yet. And so that's fine. I said, okay, good. I didn't get offended. I didn't trash them. I said, oh my gosh, they don't want me, blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not big enough yet. I'm not big enough. Right. I only have one book. So then I kept in touch with them. I met with them at Quilt Market. I said, okay, now I've written the second book, you know? And uh -huh. so by the time I wrote the second book, because I had established this relationship with them over the last like two to three years, they knew who I was. I ah. wasn't somebody out of the blue. I wasn't cold calling them. Right. And so then I said, I said, okay, how about now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> am I big enough now? And they said, yes. They said, yes, we would very much like you to be an ambassador. And, um, and from that, the reason I bring that up and go into detail is you have to ask people over and over and over again. And they're going to say no. Nine times out of 10, they're going to say no. And so if you give up on the first no, you're not going to get anywhere. So you have to ask and go again and again and again. And going back to that idea, yes, they do ask some people to do stuff for them, but most people go to them. Even I I'm, even Tula Pink went to them. You know, huh. if, if you have a company that you work with, and this is just my personal thing. Like I sure. work with EQ, I work with Orifil, I work with Martingale. I'm mm -hmm. trying to think of all the companies that publish my books, my patterns, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I go to them and my whole philosophy is I'm using your product anyway. I'm already an ambassador for you anyway. Sure. Now, why don't I get perks or paid or, you know, there's different yeah. arrangements. Yeah. And so because this is my business, this is my full-time business, I need as much publicity as possible. I need as much corporate partnership as sure. possible because my audience is my audience. Mm -hmm. My audience is not their audience. And so if we can share, like if I can tell people about, you know, Bernina products, if Bernina can tell about me, mm -hmm. it's just a win-win situation. Um, yeah. 
And so how did I get that? I asked. I asked for it. And they said no twice. And they said yes the yeah. third time. And so, again, you don't give up. It's that you don't stand in your own way. When someone honestly tells you, no, you're not a big enough name, you don't get mad at them. You say, okay, I'll come back to you when I am a big enough name. You know what I mean? Right, and, right. And from that, from that one thing, from that getting the Bernina ambassadorship. Uh Then I went on and I taught craftsy classes. And then I went on and I became a fabric designer because what a lot of people do not know, Bernina owns Benertex, which is a big fabric company. They, uh, Benertex has been around for over 20 years and Bernina bought them about 11 or 12 years ago Mm -hmm. when the original um, owners retired. And so because I had my relationship with Bernina, then that led me to fabric design with Benertex, which would not have happened had I not written books, right. which would not have happened had I not gone, gone to QuiltCon, right. which would not have happened if back in 2006, I hadn't decided, you know what, someday it's going to take me five to 10 years. Someday I'm going to write a book. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that people um, get frustrated with is they want to do it now. They want to write yes. a book now. They want to be a fabric designer now. They don't realize that Ansel Walters and Tula Pink and Elmer Burns and Mary Fawns, right. they don't realize that all these people did not become an overnight success. It right. took them 5, 10, 15, 20 years or more. And so just like you have to practice your quilting, you have to practice your success. You have to be patient yeah. for your success. And it's it's just, you know, the joys and the journey. So this is I could so, go on and on about that. But this is so <laughs> good to hear because in our day and age today, with um, the social, social media and just the way that we live – our, our society lives every day it things are presented to us as instantaneous instant yeah. influencer instant success and it's good to hear this it's i mean it just makes me feel really good that to know that okay i i'm on the right track and i you know i'm doing the right thing and i'm not like you know so lagging far behind because i didn't know that you were told no <laughs> twice yes yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I, I want to give a, a seminar like my this is funny. My seminar that I'm teaching at Threads at Threads for Success is called or Threads of Success. Um, it's called Make It Easy for Them to Say Yes. And in part of that, I'm going to talk about how, yeah, I had to fail a bunch of times until I got those yeses, you yeah. know. But yeah, so I, yeah. I, I like to put a human aspect on that because because like I said, even the biggest name influencer out there in the world they may or may not tell you. The most authentic ones now, they're realizing that it's to their benefit to talk, to talk about their it failure is. stories. Yeah. And I think their failure stories are just as important as the success stories. They are. Because I know, I mean, that's one of the, the, the principles in business is that, you know, failure is part of success. Like that's, it's, yes. that's part of, you know, becoming success. Because um, be, being afraid to try isn't it, you it will get you nowhere <laughs> and I've, yeah. well, I have I have experience want, with want, that <laughs> you know the, the, the internet has been a double-edged sword social yes. media is amazing because you're inspired and you get to see what people are doing and it allows instant access but on the other hand when you get into that bubble when you you know when you don't see the person's messy sewing room and you think their house is perfect when you don't see their struggles that they don't choose not to share we get this false sense that oh my gosh that person over there has had it handed to her. She's had it easy. I can't ever get there because they're not sharing the Mm -hmm. blood, sweat and tears. You know, the, the five years that got them to that point to finally, you know, where somebody noticed them on Instagram, you know, they didn't see them five years ago when they had two followers, you know? Absolutely. So true. Oh, good. I'm so glad you shared that with, with us because yeah, it it does make it human. It just kind of like, you know, (laughs) brings, 
brings you down to earth with the rest yeah. of us. Oh, <laughs> I, I hope it. so. That's what I want. Cause I just, I don't know whether it's quilting or whatever. I always say I should have been like a motivational speaker. I want to be people's cheerleader and I want to say, you can do it. Just, mm-hmm. just, you have to work hard for it, but you can yeah. absolutely do whatever you yeah. want to. Yeah. That's great. Okay, cool. So you talked about the fabric design. What, the, uh, what are you on? Like your fourth or fifth collection now? Well, I have three of them that are in stores now. So my first, right. my first child, my first baby is Modern Marks, and that one is still selling. Um, that one came out when 2017, 2018. I can't remember. I think 2018 was when my first line came out. Okay. And the plan is I'm doing two a year. So 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 fabric design is like super new for me. It's like no, it came out in 2017. I don't know, but yeah, Modern Marks came out, and then my next one is called was uh, Fandangle. Yes. And then the current one that just came out um, last market is called Abstract Garden. And then I'm I'm working on number four and five. So four will show at spring market and then five will show at fall market. Nice. And so I'm, wor- I'm working ahead. And like yeah. with anything I do, my goal in life, I'm loving fabric design. I didn't know that I would like it. I thought it would just be one of those checkbox things like, okay, design a lot of fabric, next right. design, whatever. But once I got into it, just like book writing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing thing. Like I want to do this. Oh. So I, I, this is my one ask of your audience. Just yeah. buy my fabric, and it's very selfish because if you buy my fabric, <laughs> that means I get to design more fabric. More fabric. Yes, yes. And I love designing fabric. So anyway, Good. so that's the plan to do about about two lines a year until either I run out of ideas or until they say, "Okay, thanks, that was fun. Now, now let's move on." <laughs> but I, I love it. What it's is so your fun. inspiration when you go to design fabrics? It's, it's very much how I approach a quilt design. And, and what I mean by that is I start with an idea or a theme. For okay. example, if I want to make a quilt, like a quilt pattern, a quilt out of triangles, I will say, oh, I want to make a quilt out of triangles. And so then I will design like 50 different triangle quilts until I find the one quilt that I like. So, hey, blooming wallflowers, <laughs> that you wouldn't believe that actually came out of another design. Many of my designs come from other ideas. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. And so then I approach the same thing with fabric design. I say, okay, I want to create a fun, bright rainbow of fabrics that Uh I would use in my own quilt Uh that are highly geometric. Because what I realize is I, none of my collections are florals. I don't have any flowers in any of mine. In fact, Abstract Garden was going to be my quote floral collection, but it ended up being all geometric. So it's abstract. So like my roses are really swirls and my picket fences are really diamonds and triangles. Um, but so they're all highly geometric and, um, abstract and because I like that style, I like Mm -hmm. that look. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what I start with. And then now that I've got three collections under my belt, I have a lot of rejects. I have a lot of failures that didn't make the collection. So now when I design future collections, I first go back through my rejects and I say, Oh, can I pull this piece in? Can I rework it? Can I play around with different color, different scale? And so in fact, abstract garden, the, the picket fences, um, uh, print actually was a reject from modern marks that that didn't that couldn't work with modern marks and so then i brought it back in later so i start with the spark an idea i brainstorm a million different iterations of it and then i save everything and i don't throw it away so that it can come back and get recycled later okay and then do you do that more because you said before that you couldn't draw a stick person (laughs) yes i'm glad so this is the magic of technology oh my gosh you guys oh this is amazing When they came to me, because this, you know, I asked to be a Bernina ambassador and Uh that was my ask me going to them. By the time um, I had been doing that for a couple of years, Bittertex came to me. So they asked me, which was nice because it was, it was on my, 
I'm a planner. It was on my list to become a fabric designer, but that wasn't going to happen until about 2020 or 2021 wow. because I was that that was my my five year plan. Wow. And so I'm ahead of schedule. And the reason I'm ahead of schedule is because they came to me. I didn't go to them. Yes. And and one of the benefits of them coming to me is they help me with the actual technical aspects. And what I mean by that is, um, well, this is what. Yeah, I can't draw people. I can't draw <laughs> stick figures, but I can draw a shape. Yes. I can draw a diamond. I can draw a rectangle. I can draw a circle. I can uh-huh. draw a swirl. I can draw abstract shapes. Um, and so I draw my abstract shapes and I on paper, right. and then I give them to a layout, uh, gra- what are they called? A technical, I don't even know the words, a, um, a graphic designer uh-huh. at Benertex, and then they take my shapes, and they're the ones that put them in the computer for me. Cool. And when I say, okay, I want to make this larger, I want to make it smaller, uh-huh. I want it to be pink, I want it to be yellow, like I go back and forth, and it's very much collaborative, yes. where I start with the idea, I give it to them, I tell them this is what I want it to be, and then they pull out of my head, very much like a like an interior designer or a graphic designer would do, yeah. they help pull the ideas out of my head mm-hmm. that I have a hard time expressing myself. So okay. they do all the repeats for me, they do all the technical drawing for me, mm-hmm. and otherwise I would not be able to design fabric. And it's been a wonderful collaboration. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Cool. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll have ideas too. Like they might come to me and they might say, oh, your little swirls or your little pluses like might look better in this arrangement. So I'll start with like one idea. Uh I'll give it to them. And then from that idea, they'll do like three different arrangements of it. And they'll say, okay, which arrangement do you like better? A, B, or C. And then I'll say, oh, I like this one. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but let's scale it up. Let's scale it down. So it's able to like, it would take me, it would take me a long time to learn how to do that technical aspect of it. So I'm so glad they helped me out with that. Oh, I like that. That's cool. Yeah, the way I look at the way I look at it is I look at, you know, some people make quilts, but they don't do the quilting. Uh-huh. They have someone else do it or they tell someone else. Right. And so that's how I am with fabric design. I'll do all my own quilting, uh-huh. but then I'll take my swirl and I'll say, OK, I don't know how to physically make this swirl 50 percent smaller, but I know it needs to be. So can right. you make this 50 percent smaller? And it, yeah. it's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've got I've got your abstract garden um, fabrics. Oh, um, yay! yeah. Really cool. So um, and, you know. With that, which is going to bring us into the next topic I have, is that, uh-huh. you know, the, I think you, I don't know, but I mean, from what I see, uh, that your fabric collections are hugely loved and um, oh, thank you. are thank you. just a huge hit with um, across the board. And part of that, I think, is your Facebook group. And you do a lot of self-marketing that really spreads the word. You design quilt patterns to use your fabrics in, and it's mm-hmm. easy. It's easy for people. It's just like because um, you know people don't necessarily have the confidence, or they don't want to pick out fabrics for a certain pattern. So you've just got it there for them, and they can just make these fantastic quilts. And don't have to like stress or anxiety, get anxiety over how to right. like start. Like, where do they start? Because sometimes that's what it deters people from even making a quilt. It's just, oh, I just can't even start. I just don't even know. So I think that your Facebook group is really very good at that because you show people all different kinds of versions of your quilts with your fabrics. So, um, and then I just wanted you to talk about your Facebook group and 
how you stay accessible because sometimes people have started Facebook groups and then the Facebook groups have blown up and gotten so big. And I know it's a lot of work to manage it and uh, to moderate it, but you're still always there. You're on there daily posting and replying to people. So how do you do that? Oh, thanks. Um, well, I'm very, I'm very scheduled and I'm very organized. So I have, I kind of keep a to-do list of what I want to do. For example, right now I'm actually doing um, a quilt along. And so mm-hmm. the whole reason I started my Facebook group was I wanted a place where people could come and they could share not only what they're working on, they could sh- ask machine quilting questions. Um, and also I started it as a place for people to gather. Cause you know, back, back in the old days, Ooh, five years ago, people <laughs> interacted, I know people interacted more on blogs. And so you you'd leave a comment, I'd leave a comment, whatever. We've gotten away from that. And Uh Instagram is fabulous. And I love Instagram, but I needed a place to gather. And um, um, way back in the day, like 10, 15 years ago, you know, when the the dark ages of the internet, I did a forum. And you know, that's where people would go. And and, and those got old and clunky, you know, their Yahoo groups, all that old kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Those got kind of clunky. But with the advent of Facebook, and then Facebook groups, which are relatively new, I realized that's my gathering place. That's where people can go. And I can make announcements, I can let them know what's going on. But that's where they can share with me. That's where people can post their progress. They can't post pictures on their blog. They can't or on my blog. Not everybody's going to see it. And so if they can post it there and and have this interactive community, and I think what keeps it vibrant is that other people participate. Mm. You know, I haven't I haven't had to add um, moderators or administrators yet because people in the group keep the conversation going. And it's not much it's not really that much work for me to check it first thing in the morning and maybe once or twice throughout the day and a little bit later. And it's not like I'm getting thousands and thousands of comments. You know, someone will post something or they'll ask a question. And so it's just part of my process because I'm working from home, you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm working, people are yeah. like, Oh, how do you get all this done? Well, cause I'm working 10 to 12 hour days, yeah. you know? And so I'm spending two to three hours a day online, mm-hmm. you know, different throughout the day. And so it's just part of my process. And then I love, I'm very real. I'm very genuine. I'm very me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love people. I love quilters. I love having friends. I love the fact that I get paid to have friends that like what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's very easy and natural because I'm, I'm not looking at people as my customers. I mean, obviously my supporters, my fans keep me in business and help me, you know, pay for my mortgage. But at the same time, these are my friends and they're supporting me and I want to support them. Mm -hmm. And I, I love, that's one of the things I love about social media is it gives you that direct access to people that you admire and follow. And even though, you know, a lot of people wouldn't realize this about me, I'm very much an introvert. I still like interacting no, with people. No, you're not. Like well, this is what I realized. No, this is what I realized. I can I can go out there and I can put it on and I can talk to, you know, like I was at QuiltCon and I was lecturing and teaching and demoing and all that kind of stuff. And I can talk to hundreds of people all day long. But when I get home, I have to have three to four hours of silence, of quiet. Mm-hmm. When I got home from QuiltCon, I had to go hide under a rock for three days. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't posted very much the last couple of weeks because I've been recovering and moving. Um, but I, I love people and I love having friends. But at the end of the day, I have to have quiet time and I have to have recovery time. And that's what the mark of introvert. It's not whether or not you can go along with people. It's whether or not do you go for 10 hours and then do you go to the party at night and then do you get up the next day and do it all again? No, right. no, no. At QuiltCon, I was home in bed in my, <laughs> you know, in my room at nine o'clock. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because no. I had to teach a nine o'clock class the next day. Right. No, and that is true, the mark of introvert, extrovert, because I'm the same way. I'm definitely introvert, um, but it's it, because extroverts 
can do the same thing. They can be out there with the people and, and talking and center of attention or whatever, but that they feed off of it and that energizes them. And whereas it probably does energize us, but it also depletes us. It, me too. Oh, I'm exhausted. Depleted. When I, I love yeah. teaching. Like I'm, I'm taking off. I know you're going to post this later, but I have a teaching gig coming up where I'm going to be teaching two groups and it's going to be five or six days. And my family already knows I'm going to go there and I'm going to come home and I'm going to need quiet time for three days to recover. Yes. I give it my all yeah. when I go. But the only reason I can do that is because I have to come home and I, I can't schedule things back to back. You know, like I only mm -hmm. teach, I only travel about once a month because I can't be gone every other weekend because it takes me that long to recoup when I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good that you know that about yourself too. I mean, I, I've learned that about myself as well. And I just know, I just need that downtime. I need to recharge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because it puts you so much out of your comfort zone, but you know, but it, but when you are around the people who are like you, it, that's why it's easier for you to like talk and be interactive with them. So, exactly. And I just, yeah. the biggest thing that I've wondered is like, you know, I ask myself this all the time. Why do I teach? Why do I travel? Why do I do this? And it's like, I had this need, like I have to, because I, I feel like I know this information and it kills me if I can't share it. Like, mm. that's how I process information mm -hmm. is I share it. So if I figured out a, a design or if I figured out a technique or, or a new mm -hmm. pattern, I can't just sit on it. I have to put it out in the world. Otherwise, it just sits in my brain and it, it takes up like mental energy. Yeah. So, so, so I have to. That's why I yeah. write books and design fabrics and design patterns because <laughs> otherwise my brain would explode. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to experience that sharing uh, from you in Yay. a positive and great way. I love it. It's so cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And because you are so, you know, open and um, I, I just think that people enjoy that about you and, and uh, your authenticity. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. And I don't know how to be any other way. <laughs> so. and, and that's why it's so easy for me to talk to you, too, because, I mean, you are like, a you know, what it's a funny term, but people say celebrity, but you kind of are. I mean, you're, you're out there and, and everybody knows, I mean, you probably sell your patterns and fabrics around the globe, the world. Do you? It's, it's funny. You're going to give me a big head. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, it's, nice. <laughs> it's, it's really neat. That's one of the things I love about like, you know, I do in-person teaching as well as online classes is that um, when I get to meet with people in person, I get a lot of good feedback. I get a lot of like, oh, I really like that pattern or I wish you could do this or can you do this? And and I love that. I love getting that interaction because then it helps me become a better teacher and a better quilter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but 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 it, it, it what what I'm trying to I mean, not just to like try to like, you know, kick up your ego, but it's just that you are all that, but I still feel like I can talk to you like a friend and a person oh, and I don't have to feel I, like, oh my gosh, I'm so worried I and nervous. So. I hope so. I, I want yeah. to maintain that because mm -hmm. that's my favorite aspect. Um, yeah. I've had, you know, it's, it's funny. I told you earlier, I do all my own sewing because I love that part of it. And I've had a lot of really nice offers from people and I know they mean well, where they're mm -hmm. like, oh, well, now that you're getting more stuff out there, like you need people to sew for you. I'd love to sew for you. And, and I was just like, you know what, if I ever get to the point where I cannot make my own quilts, then I will quit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want, like, I like that part of it. Just like right. interacting. I like interacting with people. Yeah. I don't ever want to get to the point where I can't answer my own emails and I can't talk mm -hmm. to people. You know, I might take a day to respond mm -hmm. or, or whatever, but I just, to me, the community mm -hmm. aspect of it, I mean, yeah. that's why I do this. I could do another job and wait, you know, yeah. I could be a CPA. I could do all this other yeah. stuff. And probably make like way more money, but right. I, I get, I have satisfaction mm -hmm. out of seeing somebody make something with my pattern mm -hmm. and, 
and that smile on their face when they're like, I did this and, you know, I made it myself. I love that. That is great. And you know what I just learned recently is um, uh, actually from a client that um, I was at her house yesterday. We're working on this huge project and her daughter is a student and um, in college and uh, her her roommate is like this uh, master's in art. She's an artist. Uh-huh. But she told her mom because her this this woman also is creative and um, she needlepoints. And um, she said, Mom, you know, when you make something whether it's something made, you know, like your needlepoint or your sewn or you made something or even if you cook something, when your brain sees that, it there's like a scientific thing where the receptors light up in your brain. Oh, yeah. Like your endorphins. It's like a high. Yes. It really it's like a high, Yeah, really absolutely. Is. So it's important for us to make and to create because when our when we just glance at something we've made, our brain like just lights up and, and it really creates that, you know that just reaction and and just um you know makes you feel good it's 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 like a really like physical reaction that's scientific i don't even know the right way to explain it, it but when she said that i was like oh, <laughs> this is why i do it i love when i love when science like i love when science glorifies quilting it's like yes yes you know, it is cheaper than therapy and yes it does help your brain and yes it does give you yes. that mental boost yes. like i love that because it's like oh quilting's like my medicine you know yeah i think that one's already taken that's angela she's like you know quilting is my therapy her therapy it's totally yeah. true it's I all mean, of our therapies right though it is it, is, <laughs> it really <for> is sure. <laughs> cool all right so we're just gonna you know we're kind of wrapping it up a little bit but i got a couple more things to talk to you about and um one of them well we'll do that last but we'll now we're going to get into the decorating of your new house (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. oh my gosh i I, sorry i i just had one thought um you said that about making and i was like man i have not been sewing but i've still been feeling good and the reason why is because i moved we started moving about two months ago it's been a really long move but i've been decorating the house and i'm getting as much joy out of decorating my house as i do out of quilting and i think you hit it on the head it's because i'm making something i'm doing something i'm beautifying and because i'm like i'm like what's wrong with me like i haven't been sewing and i'm still happy and it's because i'm decorating my house (laughs) you are yes you're making your home yeah exactly yeah cool so, um, yeah, you've you've been doing a great job on the Facebook group of sharing just the progress of your house, like even before you you moved in. And it's so cool. I love to follow it and, and see what's happening. And um, yeah, so talk about and you give me a lot of. Oh, my gosh, you've given me so many good ideas. Oh, I love good. When you're like, yeah, I've been I had a, I had a struggle. <laughs> so I've been kind of what it is, is so we lived in our first house or our previous house for 13 years. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. And during that time, you know, our children have gotten older, we've expanded our business, all that kind of stuff. And so we needed a a bigger space. We thought, okay, we either need to rent out an office or we need a bigger house. And Mm -hmm. since we're such homebodies, it was actually cheaper and more efficient to just get a bigger house than to, than to like have a house and have an office. And so, um, you know, and I know a lot of people are like, Ooh, I want a studio that's separate from my home. I'm like, I don't want that. I I love working in my home. I want to be home. (laughs) And so, so the move came about, um, you know, a couple months ago, we closed right at the beginning of January. And the funny thing is, is I had this like two month period before I started, uh, before I started uh, traveling again. And originally we were just going to fix up the old place. Well then, you know, as fate has it, everything we were looking for happened, happened in this house that we were looking at and 
everything just fell through wonderfully or everything happened for a reason. And Mm -hmm. so we very quickly moved into this house Mm -hmm. and we're still, we're fixing up this house. We still have to clean up and sell the other house. So right now we've got two houses, which is a little strange, you know, strenuous on the budget. But as soon as we can, we'll sell the other house once Mm -hmm. we're all, um, done with this one anyway mm-hmm. kind of long story but um but through that process I thought you know what when I moved into my first house I didn't have Instagram I couldn't document it and so I've been documenting it mostly for me and yeah. just having such joy and the other thing I decided as I said okay this is like kind of a new start I'm gonna you know get new furniture because I've never had new furniture it's always been hand-me-downs it's always been you know leftovers whatever And so we, you know, budgeted it all out, set aside the money and everything. I said, I'm going to get new furniture. I'm going to get my sewing room. I'm going to get sewing room cabinets. And so, again, just like making a quilt, I have planned it all out. I have a notebook full of sketches of, okay, I want this piece of furniture in this room. I want these sewing cabinets here. And it's been, it's been like making a quilt. It's been like hours and hours and days and days of researching and figuring out colors and figuring out how things are going to fit and, and, and buying things and them not working and returning things. So it's been a huge, almost full-time job of getting the house ready. But at the same time, my hope is, like you said, you want to do YouTube videos. I have not done YouTube videos yet. And so my hope is, as if I can make a nice camera, what I call camera ready sewing room, mm-hmm. then I can film YouTube videos and I can share that. And it's just another way for me to share myself with the world. So that's yeah. kind of my ulterior motive is if I share it, then I have to do it, you know? And if right. I say, okay, I'm doing my sewing room, then people are going to ask me, Hey, how's your sewing room coming? Oh, okay. I guess I better, you know, get my cabinets and get them installed and, you know, uh-huh. paint the walls and that kind of thing. Right. So it's been a fun process. But I tell you, it's hard. It's hard to pick the right colors and the mm-hmm. right furniture and, and make everything come together cohesively. And that's why I look at you as an interior decorator. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, how do you make it so effortless in, in creating a beautiful you know, room for someone? <laughs> yeah, it's just um, just like with the quilting, you just learn. And over the years and when I was you, uh, interior designers and decorators have different areas of expertise. And when, okay. I, when I was in design school and one of my instructors, I wasn't the best. Um, like we, we had to do all these rendering drawings and sh- um, shading. And, um, you know, that was before <laughs> before <Right. laughs> computer rendering took over. <laughs> So we actually had to do with our rulers, like these axonometric drawings of like, you know, where it looked 3D. And then we had to take these markers and color in like our materials and colors and, you know, like hit where the sun would hit through a window. I mean, it was just like almost art, but, you know, I, I was okay at it. But there was a few people in my class that were like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I don't want to show my work now. <laughs> they, were, they were they were definitely more artists. But my thing was, and the teacher said, you, you have no problem with color. Color is like your thing. And I was like, I still I take that with me today that she was my favorite instructor because she could zero in and point out people's strengths and, and really lift them up. And because it was there, there were some hard hard times at the side school when you're, yeah, but anyway, but yeah, so color is my thing. I, I, I just, that's why when you had that thing with your, um, your, the wall color that you were unsure of. And I mean, I'm seeing like everybody with the comments and I'm like, 
I don't want to, you know, discourage anybody else's comments or anything. And that's why I sent you a private message. And I'm like, you may, you can take this or leave this, you know, whatever. But this is what I, I recommend. Totally what had happened yet is I, I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to have color. I'm going to have, I'm going to have, because I have this uh, dining room where it's a separate room. And it, and the walls are kind of like a light, like a brownish tan. And I said, okay, instead of an accent wall, I want an accent room. So mm-hmm. I want to paint the whole room a shade of blue, turquoise, teal. Right. And so I found this gorgeous shade and me not knowing it was way too dark and I post yeah. on Instagram every, oh it's beautiful it's wonderful and it was but it was too dark and it so was you it was too intense yeah yeah it was too intense and so mm-hmm. you suggested like greener and lighter or whatever uh-huh. yeah and it took me I'm oh my gosh it took me hours and hours and I had to have it you know I don't paint so I had to pay somebody so it cost time and effort and yeah. so I failed the first time it wasn't what I wanted so I did it again <laughs> anyway so I had the room repainted and that was the right choice. It was. it was lighter. It was a lighter. It was still the same color family. Yeah. But it was a lighter version of it. And I'm realizing, oh, my gosh, paint is like making a quilt. It if is. If you want dark colors, you have to do that with accents, with pillows or candles mm-hmm. or whatever. You don't paint the whole wall that intense color. And so I didn't realize that until after I had gone through that. And well, that was- you can. You can't. Like, I don't know if you can see it in my office, but I have dark navy blue walls. Oh, not right next to like white cabinets and yes. it looks awesome. You need the yeah, contrast. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The contrast. Yeah. Right. I wasn't that's what it was is I didn't have enough contrast in the room. Right. Right. Yeah. That's hey, it. With a quilt, most successful quilts have contrast. You exactly. have, have your darks, your mediums, and, and your, your lights. lights and your ax yep. Yeah. So same thing with the house. But it is. I would love oh my gosh, I would I would love I should have I should have done art. I should have been interior decorator. <laughs> I mean, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. But I, I've been enjoying decorating and I'm loving all the little tips that you're sharing with me. It's oh it's cool. so great. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And and the when you're sharing you have a good eye. With those, okay. your, your kitchen counter stools in that, um, cause, um, you, it was kind of like a reddish orange, um, yeah, so like leather the, the, on the there. Couch, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of very intense, like teal basically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my husband, this is funny. I should listen to him more often. He was like, no, you really need like contrast. You know, you need to get some red in there. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then we put these bar stools that are, you know, it's kind of share, it's an open area. So I've got like this teal couch. I've mm-hmm. got this kind of light teal walls in another room. Mm-hmm. I've got some red candles. And then I brought in these red bar stools. Like, oh my gosh, that just totally made the area. But now I need it to do did. more things like I need to get an area rug and I need to get an end yes. table and I need to get pillows and I need to get little accent pieces that bring in like more of that red. Yes. So it's not like just the one area. So to me, yeah. that's the fun part, but also the hard part. Where it's like, okay, I can't find the right shade of red pillows, so I guess I'm just going to have to make them. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I can do that. You don't have to have everything done at one time. That's the other thing, too, that overwhelms people. I I, um, usually do things in phases so that it's not overwhelming. But you kind of have to have that overall plan, though, of the whole picture. Right. So you know what you're going to look for in phase two and phase three. So now you know you're going to look for red accents because red is actually a very strong color and it's great as an accent color and you can sprinkle it through the rooms and um, it really makes them pop. So those those counter stools really brought that in there. It was really cool. I I loved when I saw that. And one quick tip about area rugs. Just make sure it's big enough because everybody gets area rugs too tiny and too small. Well, let me ask you. Yeah, yeah, let me ask you. So, like, I want to put an area rug under. I've got couches and I've got chairs and I've got a um, like a big coffee table in the middle. So, I'm assuming it should be big enough to either reach the couch or maybe go under the couch, you know, or something. If you if you can get it to be extend under the couch, it would be best. 
because okay, cool. what it what it does is um, it, ex- it expands that seating area. It opens it up because when you put a, a rug that just reaches your furniture in your sitting area, then it closes it in. Oh, and good to know. And okay. it makes it feel smaller. And and from your photos, you have a large space. Like it can yeah, handle a big, a big yeah. rug. And when you put a bigger rug down there, I, you could even extend it. I mean, usually we like to extend rugs through where all the furniture that's in that area fits on the rug. Okay, that is good to know. Yeah. I was looking at, at a couple of them, and I just, yeah, I wasn't sure of the size, mm-hmm. and I don't mind getting the large ones. See, this is great. I, yeah. I, I love these decorating tips. So, okay, yeah. that's my next mission. Find a big rug to go under yes. my coffee table big and my rug. chairs. Mm-hmm. All right, awesome. Great. I like Yay. big rugs, and I cannot lie. No, I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait to see oh, yeah. it. That's awesome. All right, so the last thing I have for you is just what is upcoming in 2019? Well, you already said uh, that Threads of Success is coming up in the fall, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's okay. going to be exciting. It's an inaugural event. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be at both quilt markets doing fabric. Um, I will be teaching. I'm not teaching as much this year because I'm trying to find the happy balance between, yeah. you know, a million trips. Um, right. My um, One exciting thing, my older son just moved down with us to work for us, and uh, that's exciting. Ooh. So when my younger son had just left, I kind of shared this on social media. I He's, saw that. He went on a church mission to China. He's going to Hong Kong. Uh-huh. And so that was kind of sad. But then my other son decided to move back in. So I'm like, yay. And my daughter's still at home. So she she didn't want to be an only child. So we're excited about that. So he's going to he's going to work for us and kind of help us with the business. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just going to keep working on my house. I mean, it's been an ongoing process. I'm setting up my sewing room right now. I need a new sewing table. Um, And that's going to be exciting to get in there and just create. And my hope is that if I have this really pretty calm place I will just my output will increase I'll have more zen moments with my sewing mm-hmm. and it'll just you know it'll just make me happy that's all I want it's gonna be your happiness hap- it's gonna be your quilting. happy place I know my yeah, sewing exactly. room is my happy place too yeah so that's, that's great why, well you keep giving me those tips when you see something you give me yeah, yeah you, you, me you ask, ask me anytime no okay problem. awesome I will Cool. So, well, um, Krista, I'll get um, any links that you want me to put on the um, show notes and um, put everything on there. And thank you so much for being on my show. I'm so excited. I've just been looking so forward to this conversation. So, Oh, thank you. It's been so much fun. And and luckily, we're talking right now. They're actually installing my cabinets in my sewing room right now. So I'm in my bedroom. My door is closed. And and it hasn't interrupted us. I'm really glad. No, (laughs) it's been great. I hope to come out of there. We've been talking for a while. And I hope to come out of there. And it's going to look amazing. (laughs) I know. And you're going to show pictures. So I can't wait to see. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, this was awesome talking with you, Stephanie. And All thank right. you for I've, um, your last few podcasts you put up. You've kept me company. Like I said, I'm not sewing right now, but you've been keeping me company as I've been packing and cleaning and mopping the floor and unpacking <laughs> boxes. So awesome. I, I've been enjoying that very much. Thanks. <laughs> so you're part of my you're part of my move. <laughs> thank you. I love to hear that. Okay. Oh, awesome. We'll talk to you later then. Okay. Bye. Okay. Steph. Bye. Oh, wow. I just loved this episode. I loved chatting with Krista Watson. And I know it was a little bit of a super long episode, but it just for me, it didn't feel like it. Uh, There was there was so much great information um, given through the episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you love it. And I hope you check out the show notes. 
Thank you so much for listening. And please remember to hit the subscribe button on wherever you listen to the podcast. And for those of you who listen through iTunes, I would really love a rating and review if you could take the time for that because it really helps boost the podcast. And um, I will talk to you next time. Bye. You can find the show notes and the podcast on my website at stephaniesochadesign.com. dot